0: NFL salary cap, $255.4 million in 2024. Steelers reportedly $9 million under the salary cap right now. We know that they can create a lot more room. Joining us now to discuss what can they do with that room, it's Mark Caboli on the Fan Hotline, presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Good morning, Caboli. You in Indianapolis?
1: I'm in Indianapolis sitting outside uh, some kind of ballroom ready for the State of the Athletic address today.
0: And uh, a little Omar Khan later on tonight, so we're raring to go. So Omar Khan is going to speak today. If given truth serum, what do you think his he would say is the Steelers' biggest position of need as you head towards free agency?
1: Well, I don't know what he would say, but I'll tell you for sure that, I mean, you just look at the center position now with uh, – with the movement of uh, Mason Cole, you don't really have anything stern and hard to go right there right now. So they have to have a plan in place right now to, to to go move forward here. I mean, obviously it's going to be the free agency and hopefully draft route. I, I, I liken it to the Trubisky, Kenny Pickett thing of a couple of years ago where you can't wait around and think you're going to draft somebody because if the draft breaks the wrong way. You're, screwed, and uh, so you're going to have to grab a free agent. So right now,
0: just for sheer numbers and who you can possibly put there, you have to say center because they don't have anybody. You don't think Herbig or James Daniels could play that position?
1: I wouldn't move James Daniels. He has too good of a season at right guard. Plus, I would imagine they're going to talk to him by sometime before the season starts to try to extend him. He's a guy who's 20. six years old, and you don't want him to go into his next season, and I don't really want to move him. I guess in a pinch you could throw Herbig over there, but he really hasn't played a ton of center over his career at all. They would much rather have him as a swing guard. So I guess in a pinch you could throw him there, but ah, they're not moving. They wouldn't have got rid of Mason Cole if their primary plan was putting Herbig there.
2: Mark, do you think they address uh, wide receiver and free agency, or do you think it'll be a mid-to-late-round pick that they use for that uh, third-slash-four wide receiver spot?
1: Well, they're probably going to have to do both. I mean, you can't guarantee that Deontay would be back past this year, so all of a sudden that room gets really light in a hurry here. And even this year, when you're not anticipating Allen Robinson coming back, he I mean, I guess he could come back at a lighter half hit or a lighter salary so I would imagine they would look both but I don't think they're going to go and break the bank free agency on a wide receiver I'm going to use my money uh, in free agency and obviously they have a lot more money than they did a couple days ago I would go in a different position than wide receiver and hopefully Calvin Austin can step up for a year and find somebody else in the draft or this draft I mean Oh, all drafts nowadays are pretty loaded with wide receivers. Right. So you would hope to be able to get one and, and develop one into uh, a potential starter. If not, I would address it next year. But I wouldn't throw a ton of money at a wide receiver right now.
0: Mark Caballi, live from Indianapolis, joining us here in the Fan Morning Show, which is brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Back to center just for a second here, Mark. There are good centers available in the draft no doubt about that do you see if they were to sign a center in the free agent market that it would be a depth kind of guy or somebody that they feel like could be here for four or five years at minimum
1: Oh, well, i think they would have to sign somebody who they feel comfortable enough playing i mean because uh you know even if they do draft one of the top centers in the first or second round we saw what happened with Broderick jones last year i mean sometimes it takes you know, some time to be able to get those guys on the field and feel comfortable with them. So whoever you do sign, you better you better hope that they can come in and play a year, a year and a half. I mean, you would love to have a center who can play multiple positions so he can flip over if you do get a, a good center. It's that's, that's really always tough situation right now, and that's why I always thought that draft should be before free agency because – if you sign, you don't know which free agent, what type of a free agent center you want to go after. If you're getting Jackson, Power, Smith, or in the first round, you know, then you're not. Then you're all of a sudden that changes your train of thought of where you're moving. But you can't guarantee he's going to be there. I mean, the Rams might grab him right before that. So it's it's a delicate situation where you better get a guy who's good enough to play, but uh, you better have a guy that's. you're not married to that if you're able to get a good center in the draft that you wouldn't feel bad slotting him in there.
2: Mark, assuming that Patrick Peterson is back, he's back at what position, though, is the question?
1: Uh, I don't think the main position would be cornerback. I think we learned that last year that he's a step slower, which is obviously, I mean, 30, 35. But he can still bring a lot of value to this team of being a guy that can play corner in a pinch, a guy that can play safety, the guy that can play slot, play the dime linebacker. You don't find guys like that very often, even if it is $10 million cap hitter or whatever it is. But I don't think that they would want him. I don't think that's on their list of, hey, Patrick Peterson's going to be our number two corner behind Joey Porter Jr. I would love to see him move to safety to see what he can do there and how they talked last year and how he talked last year. That's very interesting for him to be able to play that position, move Minka around. So um, I would think that corner would be last on there. But once again, as long as you can play four or five positions, you're valuable because you know how people get banged up in this league. I mean, okay, Joey Porter's out for a season. Okay, I can deal with Patrick Peterson for a, a game or two at corner. So I think that's the case. I think it's going to be a little bit of everything, to answer your question. I don't think there's going to be a main position for him. It's going to be wherever they need him.
0: Do you think the Steelers bring back Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, and Quan Alexander and just hope that they're healthy, or do you think they try to augment that position in a different way?
1: I think Landon Roberts. I mean, he was one of their best players last year. He's still under contract, so I would imagine he's coming back. Holcomb, he just... I mean, that's one thing you will ask Omar tonight, not if they're going to cut him or not, because I'm sure he's not going to tell me, but when you anticipate him being back here, is he a mid-season guy? Is he a training camp guy? Is, we don't really know. I mean, it looked bad, but a lot of things look bad, and all of a sudden he's out there in OTA. So that, that his health will probably go a long way in determining what they do. But Quan Alexander is another one. He's an unrestricted guy. I mean, I wouldn't move on anybody like that until I absolutely need to. Nobody wanted him last year until August, and now he's coming off of Achilles, but you have to definitely add to the position, Now I would imagine they would do that in free agency because I mean, you need somebody to come in here and be able to play if a guy like Holcomb wouldn't anticipate being ready right away. So I would think that's one place you have to circle in free agency Then going to find somebody can, you know, maybe a Landon Roberts type, a guy that's just can come in and be a solid pro but not spectacular.
2: Mark, what are you looking to get out of being at the Combine? Is it, you know, listening to, you know, the GM's talk? Is it listening to coaches talk? Is it getting information from from other media outlets and places and other teams? Is it doing some scouting yourself? Like what is your main objective of being at the Combine?
1: Uh, you want the truth or
2: yes? Oh, hit us with it, big guy.
1: <laughs> nah, I mean it's just it's good to be able to be you know, able to see a lot of people from the Steelers personnel department and uh, coaches and I mean well, Tomlin doesn't coach. He doesn't talk. He's one of the few coaches that never talk here. But I mean, Omar hasn't talked since August, so that's very uh, important to see what he has to say here. They've pretty much quarantined us off a lot and insulated us from a lot of the the stuff of on the field and players. I mean, in years past, they would bring players in, sit them at the round table, and you can go talk to them now. Each of them have a podium, and it's hard to get anything concrete with it. You know, everybody's talked to everybody. So, you know, a lot of times you do a lot of your knowledge gathering After hours, if you know what I'm talking about, guys? Sure do.
0: I've been there. (laughs) Been there with you. Done that with you. All right, one more question here for you, Mark, and I I have to ask it. Let's say the asking price for Justin Fields falls to a third round pick. Could you foresee the Steelers doing that, not picking up the option, and then allowing him to legitimately battle against Kenny Pickett?
1: I still don't see it because you're then wasting the third round pick if you're bringing a guy in and saying it's a one-year type of situation, if you bring him in and you're giving up any draft capital, including a pretty significant pick in the third round, I want to make sure he's there for the long haul. I don't want to, you know, a couple months and all of a sudden he's a free agent because if he say he comes and balls out and they, they acquire him, he has a great season, all of a sudden you're paying a guy 45, 50 million bucks. Yeah, but we could have got him for 20, 22, you know? That's the only thing I worry about. I worry about the rest of the roster right now compared. I know you need a quarterback, but I don't want to just absolutely decimate my bottom line to get a guy that may or may not be good, may not be around in a year or two. I would much rather take my chances of one year with Kenny than if things fall to crap, let's go get Justin Fields next year or something of that ilk of that guy. So I, I just don't think he's in play, to be honest with you. I could be wrong because Omar does a lot of crazy things, but I just don't think it makes good business sense anymore. Right
0: now. Well, ask him about that specific hypothetical today, Mark, okay? Just b- very yeah, specific. Yeah, sure,
1: sure he'll tell me. Adam, I'll say Adam
0: Crowley Thank you. wants to know
1: from the – what is that, the Slippery Noodle?
0: Yep, Slippery Noodle, baby. <laughs> All right, goodbye, Mark. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark. All right, see so you guys. That place is awesome, Slippery Noodle. Is great, it? great blues bar in indianapolis though it sounds a lot like a strip club i thought it was that yeah definitely not no i'm not i'm not gallivanting around strip clubs when i'm in indian in indianapolis never know i will tell you one of the things i have done in indianapolis coming up next we both have combine stories they're both different they're different from one another <laughs> you were on the field i was drunk we'll talk about that coming up next and then at 8 35 ben Sherrington Pirates general manager he spoke yesterday on the TV broadcast and well there's something newsy there that's all on the way you can get after us on Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township visit them at southhillskia.net comments questions concerns on the text line 412-928-9370 brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you coming up in 15 minutes Ben Charrington had comments that are quite noteworthy he said them on Sportsnet Pittsburgh yesterday we'll get into that But right now, combine stories. Doran, we have had a lot of combine experience between the two of us. You couldn't find any more different combine experience, though, than what you experienced versus what I went through at the NFL Combine. When you ran the fastest 40 in
2: NFL history for a tight end, did you know you were going to run that fast? No, I thought I was going to run faster. Really? Yes. 100 million percent. Yeah, well, I mean, you thought what, you'd be faster? Faster than that. I was running four three fives when I was training, and I was a little bit upset that I ran four three nine unofficial and four four flat official. I thought it was going to be faster. What do you and think? I, I I got to work with. I mean, I, this is, you know, some insider information. I got to work with Gorsek every day too, because he was at the Steelers guy. So yeah. I would go to the indoor, and he would time, and like he was the guy that did it. At, you know, with the times everybody at the combine, the start, and everything. So. I had a little bit of a upper hand by working with him on my forty, so I thought I was going to go faster. Like he knew what I was going to run, because he—I mean—he was there when I was doing it. Yeah, and he's—he's the official timer. I think he's still doing it, even though he's not a Steeler scout anymore.
0: Because he was at the uh, historically black college combine. Mm -hmm. He was there. He was still—he was clicking the thing. Yeah, that would help. Yeah. Why do you think you ran? (laughs) Why do you think you ran the fastest and not faster? Why do you think you didn't go as fast as you thought you were going to?
2: Probably just, like, time. And, I mean, if you if you go down to the second, you know, I mean, I was probably running it in the morning uh, when I was training. I mean, even little things like that. I was running it in the morning when I was training when I was fresh. Uh, maybe even my warm-up routine wasn't the same, having to wait um, and, you know, doing it at a different time. I mean, it could, I mean, it's, what is it, a tenth of a second. Right, so, like, yeah. It could be the littlest detail.
0: Was there anything that worried you about the combine? Interviews
2: or a specific drill or you just thought you were going to crush it? Just thought I was going to crush it. Always been like that, though. Ever since I was in high school, I was good at that stuff. So, I just—I mean, it was just another day, honestly. Did you get asked any off-the-wall questions? I did. A bunch. You don't have to name the teams if you don't want to. What was the
0: weirdest question you were asked? I don't think I've ever asked you this. I got...
2: Man, I don't know if I could say it. You
0: didn't quite get the Des Bryant, so your mom's a hooker question.
2: Uh, Close. Really? Close. Close to that. It was a scenario that they wanted to see how I would react, and it had to do with... You know, my mom and her being in a, in a situation. Teammate? Like, no. Her being in a. I can't say. I I definitely can't say it on the radio. But her being in a situation, it was like, would you go help your mom in this situation or would you continue playing a game?
0: Holy cow.
2: Yeah, like during a game, this is happening to your mom in the stands. And you look up, like, would you stop playing and go help your mom? Or would you continue to play because, you know, you're on the field playing in a game? I think I know your answer to that. You're probably helping mom. Yes. Yeah. What a stupid... What do they really get out of that? Just a reaction. Just see if you have common sense.
0: Yeah. Or if you'd lose your mind and mm-hmm. get pissed at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that makes some sense. I was asked the question on the final word last night for Channel 11. What, what's one thing you would change about the NFL Combine? The thing I would change about the Combine is our reliance in It's how much of a deal we make. I understand that talking to players and the medicals, like that's very important. But it's always struck me as odd... That you have hours and hours and hours of tape on players, actually on the gridiron, playing a game of football, and right after the season, Mel Kuyper's big board's out there, Todd McShay's big board's out there. Everyone now has a freaking big board, right? Where guys are going to go in the draft. And that changes based on a tenth of a second run here and there in the 40, and how guys look in their underpants. Why does the
2: tape not matter the most? I know. That drives me nuts. I, I did a whole set. Whenever you're out, I did a whole segment with with Hathorn And uh, I think Bostick was in at the time of of this. Like, why isn't the com- why hasn't the combine evolved? Like, why do I need to see 300 pound offensive and defensive linemen run 40 yard dashes? Like that hasn't they're never going to do that in a game. Now, a 10 yard dash, a 10 yard split, that's explosion. That shows me a little bit. Just make them run ten yards. You're just offering them to get hurt by acting like they're track stars. You don't need them. Why is why aren't DBs doing a backpedal drill and getting timed into running backwards? Yeah, like make uh, them position specific. Right. Why why are quarterbacks doing the vertical? Yeah. What does that matter? Like you're wasting so much time and like it hasn't evolved. I mean, right. I mean. In football now, like they get hooked up to those monitors where they show their miles per hour. Like I would do I would put in the science to show how fast they are running. Uh, you know, a a corner route instead of running, you know, forty yard dashes. For all these things, I know are clocked in college in practice where they've got the GPS thing on. Like you're
0: saying, why wouldn't you want to know how fast they are actually on the field? I mean, you can use your eyes for that, but you can actually now. Monitor how fast guys are going on the field. To your point about the defensive lineman running down the field, like that's a want-to thing. That's not a speed thing. Like Cam Hayward ain't breaking records with his 40-yard dash, but he's going to run down the field 40 yards, sometimes chasing a play. I remember Brett Keisel vividly remember this, on a throwback pass doing it against the Cleveland Browns. He ran down the field and, and made a play that would have been a touchdown. I don't care how fast he's going. Right. I care that he's got the, the mental capacity to say, oh, geez, I know where this is going. If I get on my high horse, I
2: can get there because it's recognition and it's want to. It has nothing to do with a 40-yard dash. Nothing. I mean, if you really wanted to get the most out of the combine, like you put those weight vests on that it, it, that is equivalent to what you're wearing with pads. Mm-hmm. And then you have them run the route, like for receivers or DBs or linebackers, you put a weight vest on them that has the GPS on it, that has a tracker, and you let them run routes, routes on air, not against anybody, and that's how fast and, you know, that's how they would move if they had pads on. And then track that. Be like, this guy is really, you know, the inertia he's putting out with the pads <laughs> on. I mean, like, you can gauge better things than them running in shorts and running a 40. Right. Like, what are we doing here? It's just, it's really just for people's entertainment oh, at this point. Oh, and, and I, I will watch it. I will but I think
0: that the tape should be the most important yes, thing and than you'll, that. you'll get guys who are who are projected third round picks that'll go have a wonderful combine their, their first round pick well their football tape screams no 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 and there's gonna be misses there's gonna be hits in every round every single draft I understand that but that part I don't get oh this guy's a third round dude oh he ran a four five. We thought he was going to run a 4-7. I guess he's a first-round pick. Well, didn't he play like a 4-7 then? <laughs> Isn't that why you thought that? <laughs> yeah. Who needs to restart? Me, because I'm all jacked up. Presented by locally owned Restart IT Services. Expect more from your IT company. Go to callrestart.com. All right, here's my combine story. So in Indianapolis, everything's connected, right, because it's freezing. Coldest i ever been was in Indianapolis during a combine like six or seven years ago because it's all flat and the wind is whipping. Everything's connected so you can travel all around downtown through the convention center to the convention center. Everything's inside in these tunnels and tubes. Mm-hmm. Well, we were drinking one night, me and some Steelers beat writers who shall remain nameless, Dale Lolly, And <laughs> it was cold. So we were trying to travel in the little ant farm tubes. Wound up breaking into a mall mm. by accident because mm. the door was partially askew, one of the sliding doors. Uh-huh. And I opened it. And then the alarm went off. So we sprinted. We separated. Threw them all? We left the opposite way. Okay. So we're, start, we're running through the tunnels. We're getting all lost. We both split up because we were terrified. Wind up getting outside to the freezing cold, and we look up, and we see security and police officers running around inside with their flashlights. <laughs> I was very close to getting a B&E covering a combine in Indianapolis. You, you were doing that while I was preparing for my biggest interview of my life. That's right. Well, And I was just trying to make sure that I started and finished a radio show on time the next day. They well, should have
2: timed your sprint. Oh, my.
0: I'll tell you what. <laughs> they're probably the fastest you ever ran. Fastest I ever ran. <laughs> and it was negative five degrees, and I was sweating bullets. All right, coming up next, Ben Charrington joined Greg Brown on the TV broadcast yesterday in Sportsnet Pittsburgh. He was asked about two big position battles
2: for the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll get to that. The, the, the catching spot, obviously, you know. Grondahl going to be on the team assuming he's healthy and we've got we think a good healthy competition for that second spot to start the season with Henry and Jason DeLay who obviously earned a ton of trust last year and we're confident in and, and Ali Sanchez is getting in the game here today who is a really good defensive catcher who's put up good offensive numbers in AAA so between the three of those you know we like that competition for that second spot of course we also know and we all know that um, injuries can happen at that position so being being deep is important. Is it me, or that was Charrington, right? Sure was. Is it me, or does Charrington sound like Dubas? They're similar. They're both really good at answering questions without answering questions. But if I, like, close my eyes, I, 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 maybe just me, I'd have to hear Dubas again. But for some reason, I feel like if I close my eyes, I wouldn't know who was talking. It's always the easy, low-hanging fruit and target of everything. And the, the, the catching spot, obviously, you know, is going to be on the team as soon as I mean, they're
0: both kind of lacking charisma when it comes to talking to the media. They're not Jim Rutherford. They're not Kevin Colbert in terms of the friendly side of things. Charrington did answer that question there, though. He said, Grendahl's going to be on the roster, obviously. And then you've got a competition for the number two spot. And this is enraged Pirates fans on social media. I'm going to find a way here. I I think everybody can get what they want. I don't think this is really all that complicated. They want to win, right? They're supposed to want to win this Mm -hmm. year. And I think they do. I think they do. I think they struck out with some free agent pitchers. I think they'd like to augment that group, and they just haven't been able to do it. So they spent the money on keeping a guy around for a while here in Mitch Keller. They spent some money on Aroldis Chapman. They want to win. If you want to win, you need Henry Davis's bat to be in the lineup. We're not going to take too much from spring training results. He was two for three in game number one of the spring. His bat should be able to play. I think his head was swimming a little bit when he came up to Pittsburgh last year, but he hit at every other level of the minors. He was obviously a great player before they drafted him out of college. Can you not play him at catcher two or three times a week and then play him in right field and DH thoughtfully so that he's in the lineup five days a week, six days a week? You can still develop him at catcher without heaping it all on him if Andy Rodriguez was here, what would they have done? They would start Andy and mix in Henry Davis. Right. Let's just pretend that instead of Yasmani Grandal, it was Andy. Would the plan change? I don't think so. It would be Andy, and then Davis would be sprinkled in. Now you've got Grandal, Henry's going to be sprinkled in. I don't think they're going to send him to AAA. I think that's such a bad look. I think they know that they want to win. I think they know his back can help the lineup. You can make both things happen at once because... Do you really need him to grow into your everyday catcher? No. Because after this year, your everyday catcher, who's a really good defensive player in Andy Rodriguez, is going to be the guy.
2: People are overthinking this. It's not that complicated. Keep him in the lineup. Let him play catcher a couple times. Do you run the risk? I mean, they just want him to be consistent, not have to worry about anything else but catcher right now. But that's silly to me, too, because Andy
0: Rodriguez is the catcher of the future. So why even groom him for a role that's not going to be
2: his? Why groom him for the everyday catcher role when... I think you're grooming him for the every day or the every so often backup catcher role. Yeah, which is, which you can do right now.
0: Play him two or three times a week. Have him catch on Sundays. Maybe there's a couple of guys that you feel confident that he can catch. Make him their personal catcher. Right. You, you know, if you... The, the two lefty guys they acquired. Maybe they're both lefties. Maybe if... You have him work with them consistently. They find comfort in him, so you're not having to rotate the whole pitching staff through. Obviously, he'll have to master the bullpen, guys, but you know, I, I think that's reasonable. And Grandal's fine. A couple of years ago, he was really good. Last couple of years, not so much, but he's an everyday major league catcher.
2: Okay. I I,
0: I just don't see the problem. If Andy Rodriguez didn't exist and was not part of the plans, Okay. Then you either play him every day at the Major League level at catcher, or if he's not ready, you play him at the catcher position in AAA every day. But since Andy exists, I just don't know why you groom him for something that you don't ever have your intention of doing. I get what you're saying that he, you know, you're giving him a lot to think about. And that's what happened last year.
2: Mm-hmm. And I don't think they want to put him in that situation again this year.
0: You know what you do then? at right field. You've got Oliveris. But then what are you you've gonna, got G1 Bay. But then what are you going to do whenever Andy does come back?
2: What do you mean? Like he's going to play right field, right?
0: Yeah, or slash DH. Yeah, I mean, play him at both then. I just, I don't think the the situation that he finds himself in is not different at all whether Andy's healthy or not because Yasmani Grandal is the Andy Rodriguez replacement. So everyone who's who's hand wringing, if they were to send him to AAA and you want to be ticked off, totally get that. Mm -hmm. I'll be right there with you. I'll lead that charge. If they send him down, and keep his bat out of the lineup when they're trying to contend, that will be infuriating. But short of that, I don't see a, I don't see any problem with this. I really don't. And I'm excited to see what he can do with his bat in the lineup every day. It plays much better at catcher, I get that. Because if he's got like an 800 OPS at catcher, he's one of the
2: best players at his position in the league. But I'd still like an 800 OPS bat in there. Regardless, see, like I was I was, you know, my thought process was they want to groom him to be the catcher this year, the starting catcher day in and day out this year. So that's why they were going to move him to AAA. But now that Grandall is the guy, yeah. like it has changed everything for me.
0: If there was no Grandal, because presumably they struck out on the guy that wound up going to Milwaukee for what, seven, nine million bucks. If they didn't sign a catcher, then I'd be with you. Mm hmm. You either sink or swim at the major league level or you're going to have to learn at the triple-A level. But now that you've got a proven backstop back there, I just want his bat in the lineup. I think that's what a winning organization would do.
2: So you so you right now would catch him two to three days a week and then start him in the right field or DH. Slash DH, yeah. Whenever just, Kutch just de- was out. Yeah, just depending on matchups. Okay. Yeah, there might be days where you feel like McCutcheon's
0: the better matchup or Oliver is the better matchup. Whatever, mix and match, play with it. Mm-hmm. I'd keep him in the lineup a bunch. And I would catch him two to three times and just see if he can pick it up that way. Give him baby steps. Yeah, Because as a backup catcher, I mean, players get hurt at that position all the time, which is something Charrington touched on, so it's good that they have depth there. But if you're afraid about the learning curve, give him a couple of starters he's he's comfortable with. Let him work with those guys until maybe then he becomes more confident. And hey, maybe he performs to the point where you can keep him as the guy until Andy comes back. Or if, knock on wood, Yasmani were to get hurt, then you would feel comfortable handing it over to him. But you don't have to throw it all on his plate at one time. The issue would be if they send him down to AAA. That cannot happen at all. We got Neil Walker joining us at 9 o'clock. So about 17 minutes, we'll talk to Neil Walker about that and what he's seen in these first two spring training games so far. But coming up next, do not shoot the messenger. I have to read something you're not going to like. Don't get mad at me. Actually, don't even get mad at the guy who wrote it. 50-minute mark on the fan is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Sheep, Ram, Route 19, in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Our buddy, Pirates analyst, Neil Walker, going to join us in 10 minutes. Let's spend a couple of moments here, Doran, on Bracketology. Everyone loves it. We've been updating the, the human beings who listen every single day. Joe Lenardi's last four in. Seton Hall, Providence, Wake Forest, Gonzaga. So Wake, by virtue of their victory over Duke, they've made it into the field, but just barely. They're just barely clinging on. And if you look at their resume, it's not all that different than Duke's. But anyway, first four out, AM, Utah, Villanova, Colorado. Well, where's Pitt? They're not there. How about next four out? Butler, Ole Miss, Drake, Cincinnati. No Pitt. Then next, Oregon, Iowa, Kansas State, and Pittsburgh. He's got Pitt. 12 teams out of the field right now. And I was on the sports call with, or the final word, I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble for that, with Zeiss last night. And Zeiss said, it's no big deal. Don't pay attention to the bracketologists. They don't know what they're talking about. If Pitt wins out, they're in. I, I'm not convinced. What you got 12 teams, according to Linardi, that you've got to jump. You know, a lot of those teams are going to win their games, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, tomorrow's a massive game for oh, Pitt. It's massive. It is massive. I mean, that's a fake game. If you lose, you're not making the tournament. If you win, you live to fight another day. But I think it goes beyond just winning out. You need some car- carnage to happen in front of them. Now, we talked about this the other day. There's there's a much greater than 0% chance that Pitt could win the ACC tournament. With Blake Hinson, the way they've come together. We saw what they did in the second half. What are you
2: pointing at? Oh, I mean, Filipowski, is he I mean, what, is he going to be back? Like sprained ankle. Is it the dreaded high ankle sprain or not, Doran? Right. I mean, that's a long time from now, but still. Yeah. Well, we're
0: three weeks from Selection Sunday. So we're like two weeks away, baby, mm-hmm. from ACC tournament. That's a great time of year. Mm-hmm. We're getting close. But this idea that they're just going to win out and they'll be fine. No, you have to win out. I don't know if that gets you in or not. You know, they'd be, what, 21-10 and 10 or 22-9, and and twenty-two and nine, I think, which is one game improved from last year. Their conference record would be nearly identical to what it was last year. And last year, they were in the last four in. Like, they almost didn't make it last season, you have to realize. And they got a lot of work to do in terms of jumping all these teams in front of them. Now, what I said about shooting the messenger, Pitt fans have crushed Joe Lenardi. It ain't him. Don't blame him. Blame the metrics. Blame the silly decision-making process. Blame that he's going based off of what the committee will do. Mm -hmm. He's not saying pits 12 teams out. He's saying he thinks they'll say pits 12 teams out. And Mm -hmm. all these bracketologists. I think it's a flawed system. I think it's very flawed.
2: I think we saw that last year. I think we're seeing it again this year. Don't kill Lenardi. It's not his fault. It really just comes down to tomorrow, I believe. You know, I mean, tomorrow, it's so significant for, you know, this basketball team to win this game uh, in Clemson. I, I just, you know, you put yourself in this situation, and that's kind of how I come down, and I've and I've stated that before. Like, you can look at all the bracketologists and the Lenardis of the world. I don't really pay attention. I do for work, but I don't pay attention. I'm like, either you're a good basketball team or not. Either you're going to win whenever the stakes are against you or not. Um, are you going to look back and say, if, if we would have won that game or won this game or actually, you know, competed at a higher level in this game, we wouldn't be in the situation like that's what you can, can somewhat control at this point. Your mindset needs to be we need to beat Clemson. Yes, that's it. Yeah, they can't focus on any of this. yeah And that's obviously how I think because I'm yeah. a former player, but right. like, uh, you know, they need to beat Clemson.
0: I've seen coaches do it both ways where coaches don't tell the players at all. They're just like, yeah. hey, we got to win the game. I know Huggins always used to have where they were seated and the different people
2: really? on the
0: board. I've yeah. never seen
2: that from a coach.
0: Yeah. he Because he thought that it would help them. Like, hey, here's where we are. Here's where we could go. Here's what happens if we lose. I could see it both ways. Me, I probably wouldn't want to pay attention to it. Nope. I don't want outside noise. I just want to play the game. And if they do win tomorrow, they'll have, what, seven road wins. That'll be a quad one win. If they don't make it and they won out, I'd be furious if I'm pit. Oh, so mad. Furious. So mad. And this idea that the ACC stinks, I just don't, I don't know how you come to that conclusion. You know, Miami last year, no one valued the ACC. Miami last year winds up going to the Final Four. And they were a team that was, you know, not a one or a two seed. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But I think I'm preaching, I think we are preaching to the choir here. Coming up next, Neil Walker's going to join us. He's been sitting in the booth for the Pirates' first two spring training games. We'll ask him what he's seen from Henry Davis. O'Neill Cruz made his debut yesterday. How's he look? That and more with Neil coming up next. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on new Silverado 1500 trucks today. Hi, 61.